you know, everyone's selling them. And it's really disturbing because there isn't one thing that you have to take that's necessarily menopause related. I mean, after menopause, if you're taking a multivitamin, what you have to do is take one without iron in it. You're not losing iron every month. And right. Blood. So there's one thing you have to do with menopause, but you know, and your calcium needs go up a little bit, but it's not like you all of a sudden have all of these nutrient problems that you didn't have once you lost your period. Watch out for those scams. I also think, call me cynical, but people do have to understand that dietary supplements are not regulated like drugs in this country. Mm -hmm. So the, I'm just guessing that Supplement manufacturers that make all kinds of, you know, kind of hysterical claims probably are a little bit less concerned about the quality of the products that they're putting out. Like, you notice you're not going to see these menopause supplements from the people that make Centrum or One a Day. day, You know what I mean? No. Companies that are trying to actually follow the science. No. Welcome to Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt, the world's number one no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Are you ready to cut the crap with your diet and exercise, get strong as fuck, and build a healthy relationship with food? Then you've come to the right place. Let's Let's go. If you'd like to support us in the podcast, join our Patreon where you get exclusive content, which consists of monthly workouts you can do at home or at the gym, monthly challenges that are either strength, habit, or mindset-based, and access to over 100-plus low-calorie, high-protein, family-friendly meals. These are all designed by a professional chef who is certified in nutrition. These recipes are already in my fitness pal for easy fucking tracking. New recipes are also added each week. We believe that fitness is for everyone. So this is our way of getting you started on your health and fitness journey at a price most everyone can afford. So what the fuck are you waiting for? I'll see you in the Patreon. Welcome. We have Elizabeth Ward and Hillary Wright. They are back. The menopause diet plan, ladies. Part two. Part yeah, two. Yeah. Part Welcome. Those. Yeah. Hey, we are so excited for this because first of all, I don't know if you realize this, but actually the episode we did with you all, it turns out is our best ever episode. So wow, people oh, fucking yeah. loved it. So. Wow. Maybe yeah. that's why we got asked back. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we right. just have, yeah. And I get asked so many menopause questions daily and it's like, okay, I, we need to have these ladies back because there's a lot of things that we didn't touch on. I, there's just so much, right? Yeah, there's a lot. There is new new stuff comes out all the time too. So yeah. yeah. I figured let's do a QA with our audience. And I must have like 50 questions. Wow. I, I shit you not. Yeah. I, have I so don't have many. quite as many, but <laughs> Matt has like five. Is there any is there oh, any guys give me questions too? <laughs> is there any pattern to them? Is there any like overriding themes? Actually, which I was kind of surprised about having menopause symptoms after menopause. Mm-hmm. Before we get right into que- mm-hmm. um, questions, um, Hillary and Elizabeth, did you know that Beth is now starting to really go through the the, the change herself? Mm-hmm. So yes. We've been yeah. talking about that. Yes. We've been talking about that a lot here lately. So um, yeah, what it's been a night. I, I just it crushes me when I watch your TikTok videos. I was so, I wasn't it, in it right then. It, uh, I was really upset for you that day. So when we did our podcast in Florida, that's when they started to really come to a head. And I think I've started to mention it then. I was like, I'm getting like more um, hot flashes during the day, which was never a thing for me. Mm -hmm. And then hot flashes at night. And I don't know if it was the hot weather that triggered it. It continued. And so, you know, losing so much sleep it started to catch up with me because, oh, yeah. you know, it was exhausting. I would wake up drenched to the point where I'd actually have to change my shirt. And then I was started to get really tired and I'm like, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. So I called my OBGYN um, and I visited her and she's like, you know, I feel like we should start you on a low dose of birth control first and we'll try that. And if that doesn't work, let's go to the, to HRT. So mm-hmm. I've been doing that for about I'd say a little five, six weeks now. I don't have any more hot flashes. My energy is back. But Uh, the only thing now is that I have reoccurring like TMI bleeding. So I called them again today and they're like, you know what? Let's just keep going for a little bit. It might level out. And if it continues to be bothersome, then we're going to do something else. But they Mm -hmm. want me to stick with it for a little bit more. You know, my sister had an estrogen patch for hot flashes. Mm -hmm. After a period of time, she couldn't wear it anymore because she was getting this dermatitis uh, from the patch. And so she took the patch off. And for whatever reason, her hot flashes never came back as bad afterwards. Interesting. Mm. 
I know. They're very mysterious. Isn't that the thing? Isn't I find that um, menopause symptoms or perimenopause symptoms, they fluctuate, right? They'll like be really intense and then you won't feel anything for a little bit. And yeah. then and that, I, the roller coaster ride of, you know, estrogen and other hormones, like up, down, up, down. So that's what produces the symptoms. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting too. I've had a client lately who has gone, you know, she's figured out she's going through perimenopause because of her symptoms. Cause she had a hysterectomy mm-hmm. a few years ago. So she has no like weird period stuff going on telling her she has no uterus, she, she has, has no ovaries, uterus, but she has, ovaries. but she has ovaries. Okay. Okay. And yeah. so it's like, she's trying to navigate like what she thinks is happening based on not being able to factor in the weird period stuff that yeah. is like a major of like, uh, you know, tells you that something weird is going on. Right. That's right. A- that's really a first sign. So yeah. it's been interesting conversations. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's it's interesting navigating this while being on social media and talking about it and have women, you know, come to me and ask me all these questions. And I get confused with all the information myself. <laughs> mm. I'm like, you guys have to stop like giving me like, you should do this. Don't do this and do that. And I'm like, I can't like, I'm already like working with my doctor you can't give them information that you don't know someone's past or, you know, their oh, medical history. No, no, we were, no, you can't. <laughs> we, we were can't just take talking about that. We have no, clarity we in that piece. Just talking about that. About you know, that. it's you know. like, stop, stop saying, oh, you should take some herb. Uh, that helped black me. Yes, no. that's what it was. Go get some black <laughs> cohosh. That'll solve everything. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't stop. <laughs> Too much. So I can, you know, I always say this because I work part-time at a cancer treatment place in Boston. I mean, talk about a tortured population mm. constantly telling them what they should be doing yeah and there are people that love them and don't want them to die of cancer but all the information all it does is stress them out more yeah there comes a point where you have to have a trusted like your doctor you obviously mm-hmm. have it sounds like you have a good rapport mm-hmm. if you don't have a good rapport with your doctor try to find somebody else and just close the door because there's yeah. so much information that you'd be like oh god what if I did this one random thing? Yeah, especially oh, with cancer. God. I can't imagine that like oh, everyone's oh. got like give up sugar or you know the oh, whole like oh. don't do chemo. It's it's yeah, poison. Yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, oh. it, some of it it's actually like not good advice. It's dangerous. Oh, it's dangerous. Like, you know, life threatening. What's yeah. interesting is the uh the misinformation about sugar feeds cancer is if you eat a Hershey kiss, it's going to be lying around your body looking for cancer cells. It's <laughs> all over the world. I've had these sugar conversations with people from Saudi Arabia, Africa. Like we get people from all over the world at our cancer treatment place. I'm like, that I'm through the interpreter, I'm getting, I read that, I heard that sugar feeds cancer in Arabic, in, you know, Dubai. I'm like, oh, geez, no, no. it's everywhere. I know. Thank you, internet. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so All right. we ready to get into it then? Yeah, sure. Matt, do you want to shoot off your first question? Yeah, because I've got so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a question from Mary on Facebook. She says, does HRT help with sleep disruptions not related to night sweats? Hmm. I don't know that we can answer that because we're not doctors. Mm-hmm. Not doctors, so we can't, sure. but... I've never heard of that. No, I think that the primary from the little that I know, and I will preface the answer with that, the little that I know about HRT and hot flashes is that it's just going to work on the hot flash itself, which is night sweats when it happens at night. Right. I mean, night sweats are just hot flashes that are happening at night. Right. And, you know, as people get older too, sleep gets sketchier. So it is one of those things that might be multifactorial and, you know, life gets stressful. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, the the rates for anxiety and depression go up in midlife women. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, as we always say, (laughs) there's a lot going on in um, your life at midlife. So maybe something's wearing on your mind. Yeah, we don't know. We can't say we're not psychiatrists. We're not, you know, another type of doctor. So um, this is something that you really want to talk to your doctor about. Okay. Because yeah. there's always going to be a pro-con conversation going on based on any somebody's individual circumstances. Mm-hmm. For sure. Love yeah. it. Go Makes consult sense. your doctor, please. Yeah. All right. We have one from Christy 
Um, this is a great question. I, I believe actually I shared a video of you ladies with about the forgetfulness. So <laughs> anything that helps with the forgetfulness, been looking for my main set of car keys for three days. <laughs> that sucks. All I can say about forgetfulness is my dear friend, Donna, who's about 10 years older than me, when I was getting super distressed about the forgetfulness, because for me, that was the most distraught, stress-inducing side effect. She said, don't worry, it gets better. And it did, it it does get better. It doesn't go away as evidenced by me walking out of the room twice, you know. I actually just happened to get something something for me. And she (laughs) twice did not get it. Oh so my I goodness. had to find her, but that's okay because that's the way it is. It is good to be the same age as mm-hmm. a good friend because then yeah. you get it. Yeah. But if you look at the research and we've taught, we have a whole chapter on brain health in our book. If you look at the research, the research says, yeah, you know, going through that perimenopausal period. Yeah. Women's cognition in some areas, the cognition is very, and memory is very complicated and I'm not, you know, a neuroscientist, so I can't even go into all the areas. But when you look at that, when you test women, they don't do as well as they did beforehand. But if you test them again later on, most of them have recovered. You know, they've recovered from those fluctuations. Like Hillary was saying, that was in the anecdotal thing, but there's, there's research to back it up. But you always want to keep your brain as healthy as possible. It's like a, so it's a complex thing that is happening, you know, on a continuum, what are you doing and how is it affecting your brain? So, you know, again, we have live in a culture where kind of like during this phase of my life, my brain is messed up. Is there some supplement I can take or some food I can eat to fix my brain? That's Uh not nutrition works. Mm -hmm. So we do have evidence that eating, you know, a plant forward diet, there was this recent study about, um, I'm going to ask you about that, about the multivitamins and improved oh, cognition oh, I and older that. people. Yes. You know, so it's it's not something that you can eat or take and your cognition is going to get better this month. Right. But there are certainly things that you can do. It's very consistent with everything we talk about in the book. You know, that's good for brain health. Well, anything that protects your heart protects your brain. And again, I think her question was like, is this ever going to get better? And the answer to that is probably yes. You mm-hmm. are you. Uh, you think you're you're at the beginnings of dementia because yeah, you I was just going to say that I feel like that sometimes. Well, you no, put, I mean, you put the ice cream in the cereal cabinet, okay, and then two days later you come back and you're like, yeah. what the hell? It's the names for me. I'll see someone that I know in the grocery store and I've known them for years, and I'm like, oh my Ooh. god, I don't remember their name, I and I will I go like- into a panic. Like, please don't don't recognize me. Yeah. Yes, I know. Well, well, it's you like are you? And they say you're not. And you're like, oh, you're younger than me. You, Of course you can remember my name. It's really distressing. But you know what? I just let it slide now because I do it all the time. It happens like at least once a day mm-hmm. because, you know, that's just the way it is. I know I don't have dementia. I'm a little bit older than I was. And, you know, what you do from now on is, you know, you just take as good of a care of your brain as you possibly can. I think the hearing it, it, that it's in general, it's going to get better is is helpful. Like I couldn't transcribe a series of numbers from here to here. You know, (laughs) that's why I really noticed it. I'm like, oh, that's somebody's Mm. medical record number. Blah, 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 blah. And then I'd be like, (laughs) what was that number? (laughs) Now I actually can do that better. So, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a, it sounds like the booby prize, but that's what we got on that topic. (laughs) Yeah. So um, kind of a side note to that, then you say, take care of your brain. How can we, you know, what, what do you mean by when you say you take care of your brain? What are some things that we could look at there? Okay. So many things. I mean, everything that applies to taking care of your heart applies to your brain. Okay. Okay. Um, It's the same. So you want to make sure that you are um, limiting or avoiding alcohol because it's toxic, you know, to your, to a lot of the cells and tissues in your body. Um, You want to make sure that your weight is as within, you know, a a normal range as possible, that you're exercising on a regular basis, you're controlling your blood pressure, you're um, paying attention to your blood cholesterol, your LDL levels, which is the bad cholesterol, and your HDL levels, which is the good cholesterol. Um, You're managing your stress, you're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, not smoking, and eating no, yeah. eating basically an anti-inflammatory diet. So mm-hmm. just like with every aspect of chronic disease, there's an issue with inflammation and the effect it can have on your brain. Mm-hmm. So the same principles apply for an anti-inflammatory diet, one that is 
higher in fruits and vegetables, not seeds and beans, than probably the average person is eating. So this generally needs to be a more emphasis to get to the next level with that. Eating seafood, maybe trying seafood. You know, sometimes people decide early in life they don't like it, but their taste might change. Omega-3s are good for mm-hmm. your brain. Yep. More poultry, less red meat, you know, minimal processed meat, not a lot of added sugars. So nothing, as you guys know from us talking before, nothing is never eat this list of foods. Right. It's important for people to appreciate. We're talking about a dietary pattern. We're not talking about eat these anti-inflammatory foods and your health will be fine as if the other foods you eat don't matter. So it's it's the pattern that we try to sort of reinforce over and over again. And this is as evidenced by the mind diet, which we talk about a lot in our book. You know, uh, you just mentioned the multivitamin study. Um, there was a very good study that came out that we did a post about that said that taking a multivitamin um, every day was good for memory. And it was a randomized control trial. So a very high quality, considered gold standard. And all they used was, uh, they actually used Centrum, you know, a Centrum brand. You can go to CVS, Walgreens, get it on Amazon, just your basic multivitamin, take that every day. And that played a role in brain health. I take a multivitamin every nice. day. I've been doing it for years. So I've started it. putting in my multivitamin a little pill thing so that I can remember <laughs> to take it. Yep. Along with my- Make awesome. it easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really good one. So this is from Joe on Facebook. He says, dealing with a spouse going through menopause can be difficult. Any tips for the husbands? I think this is a great conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> for people like myself and, and you know, other men out there. I mean, nothing probably is speaks louder than asking, how are you doing? Can you help me understand what you're going through? Because, it, you know, people's emotions change, you know, going through this is a lot going on, you know, when your hormones are fluctuating and your periods all over the place and, you know, you're being reminded that you're aging, you know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. So I can't think of anything besides try to be a good listener and try to be understanding, but I don't know. And I don't even know of a good resource for men, but just it could be anything. You could read um, you could read the Menopause Manifesto, which is a fabulous book mm, to understand what's going on with, you know, your female partner or anyone that's, you know, that's a female that's going through it. And you will you will get a, a very good basic understanding. And then, like Hillary said, just, you know, how can I help? I realize that you're going through a major life change. And not only is the woman going through it, but everyone else around them is also going through it. So the more understanding there is, the better the transition, the easier the transition will be. Not to say that it will be easy, but maybe have them listen to a couple of these podcasts, Matt. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Joe. Way. Yeah, there you go, Joe. <laughs> yeah, maybe husbands would be more likely to listen to a podcast than to read a book. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But definitely. So ladies, if your husband likes podcasts and you want him to help uh, understand you a little bit better, send him to this episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. Is it normal to have hot flashes after the age of 65? Yes, it is. There's a pretty high percentage of women that continue on with hot flashes after, well, after menopause. Has oh gosh. So I hate to say it, but I think they're kind of like the forgotten group too, because, Mm -hmm. you know, people are like, what hot flash, you're too old for a hot flash that nobody's too old for anything. You know, if it happens, it happens. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of disturbing to know that, you know, there's a fair amount of of people, women that could actually have hot flashes at that age. Wow. Hopefully they become fewer and farther between. Yeah. And less Uh... severe. So don't with, be afraid. I mean, anyone listening to this, don't be afraid that it's going to happen to you. Yeah. Got it. And yeah. what is it that really causes hot flashes? Is, is it the changes in estrogen? Changes in estrogen can affect your nervous system's perception of temperature shifts. Is yeah. That- there's an area in the brain that perceives temperature and that plunging estrogen level tells your brain, your body is about to overheat. The rest of the body is about to overheat and um, kicks it into action. So what it does is um, it does whatever it can do to cool it down because the brain's goal is to keep the core temperature, you know, where it's supposed to be. So you don't fry, you know, that's really why you don't want to get too hot. Like when you have a fever, that's Mm -hmm. why we bring the fever down because we want to keep all of the the functions, you know, going normally, right? So it mistakenly 
thinks that you are heating up. You're not. And so it directs the flow of blood to your skin and it dilates your blood vessels and it makes you sweat because sweating is how you release heat from your body. So, okay. so dressing in layers and having maybe layers of different, like a weight of, of bedding on your bed, you know, so some people maybe historically slept with like a big comforter and now they need layers of sheets and blankets, you know, it's, uh, it's your body just kind of getting a little confused as to what it needs to do to temperature regulate. Okay. All right. I'm 33. What could I do to prepare to be in the best position for menopause when it does happen? Read our book. Oh, I love you. Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> right? Being proactive rather than reactive. Oh, it's what a great question. I mean, you know, it is everything in our book, obviously. It's I'm so glad someone's interested in that. I just can't get over that. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Let me just start by saying that, you know, the better health you're in, the lower the risk for things like hot flashes and other symptoms of menopause that that came out of the Framingham heart study. So you want to make sure that you um, are doing everything that we talked about before, which is, you know, eating a balanced diet, like Hillary said, that includes seafood twice a week, that's plant-based, but not necessarily free of animal foods. We do not mean that. But we like foods for fun we, too. Everybody's allowed oh, foods yes. for fun. Absolutely. We love our chocolate. We love our chips. And I, I think in that age bracket too, it's really helpful to try to develop a healthy relationship with food. Like women in their 30s is a lot going on. And they're very involved in social media, many of them, and very influenceable. So to be mindful of, you know, kind of establishing those healthy eating patterns through these years so that you're not over-restricting. You know, I had a really interesting conversation with a young woman with breast cancer yesterday, just trying to teach her how her body works. So she would stop exercising a ton and eating no carbs, you know, so to, to be mindful of good nutrition is much more about what are you eating? And so to put, you know, learn how to put healthful food into your body and prioritize some food preparation and some dedication of time to the self-care involved in eating decently most of the time. Because women in that age bracket also often have young children and they kids, I always say kids learn to eat with their eyes, meaning your kids are going to watch you and how you behave around food. Right. So to to just really kind of get into this plant-based eating thing, but also be mindful of your behavior around food, because mm-hmm. that will serve you well, you know, through that aging process. Um, so you don't have to feel like you got to figure it all out when you're in the throes of hot flashes and, right, you know, kind of all kinds of craziness that's it, suddenly happening. I think listening to, you know, you know, the two of you and getting uh, the way you guys tell people to get their ducks in a row is really great because at 33, you know, or people in their 30s may still be good. They may go on to have a baby. They may have one or two more babies before menopause hits. But the principles are generally the same. The only thing I would say is that, you know, a lot of women skimp on protein. And mm-hmm. um, they, they've been skimping for decades before yeah. menopause comes along. Mm-hmm. And then um, once you hit 50-ish, you know, or in your 40s, you know, you really do need more protein in order to keep the muscle mass and to make the muscle mass. So start early, get used to eating, um, you know, enough protein or, or maybe more protein than you, than you eat. Um, and just like Hillary said, have that healthy relationship with food and your body and know that, you know, as time goes on, things do change, your body changes, but um, nutrition and exercise, of course, is going to help, um, you know, alleviate some of those changes. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, by when I say try to develop a healthy relationship with food, you know, again, we live in a culture where good nutrition is defined by how many foods I can deprive myself of. And those things can develop some pretty deep roots when you're a young adult, that if you then, you know, we've talked before about how after adolescence, you know, women in their 40s, pretty decent rates of eating disorders, which mm-hmm. seems like mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't surprise me at all because no. I, I see the evolution of this starting younger and the roots of restriction get deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And then you get to this point where, okay, we're now telling you to eat more. So we're telling you to eat more of the foods that your body really needs, you know, enough protein, you know, fruits and vegetables, enough carbohydrates, healthy fats, 
if you've spent, you know, the last 20, 25 years depriving yourself, that sometimes can be a really difficult mindset to shift. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I see you guys talking about that all the time. You need to eat more. Yeah. Yeah. Eating. Stop starving yourself. Nourish our bodies, people. Right. I was just thinking this question is so great because I can't imagine not have been prepared like I am in my 50s and then suddenly like not even focusing on protein, not exercising and suddenly being hit with menopause at the same time and having to revamp my entire like lifestyle as I'm going through menopause, that has got to be really difficult. So being proactive rather than reactive is, is the way to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have so <laughs> plenty of women that, you know, have, you know, hit their, their forties, their 40, 45. And they're like, where is this weight coming from? Because they've never had to think about their weight. And I think, and not having to think about their weight, they were, you know, they didn't always think about their nutrition as well. So they don't have that mindset. And then like it hits them like a ton of bricks and they say, you know, what, what's going on? Well, you're aging number one. I mean, Mm -hmm. you are getting older and you have to do something to fight against that. And that would be exercise, of course, and then enough protein and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, so you're aging at the same time you're going through menopause or perimenopause. That is something to keep in mind because not everything is menopause's fault. Yeah. Right. It also it also reminds me of what we have said a lot. Being aware that things need to adjust with your calorie balance much earlier than many women appreciate. So a lot of yeah. women don't start thinking about it until it's like, whoa, I woke up like wow, I'm in menopause. Geez, I've gained all this weight and right. it's belly fat, blah, blah, blah. And based on the research that we did in the writing the book. Um, it actually starts more like in your 40s. Mm-hmm. So if if you continue to eat in your 40s the way you ate in your 20s and 30s, you know, it's probably going to be the rare woman that won't have a weight shift because the amount of calories we need goes down as we get older. So earlier awareness mm-hmm. to your person's question is good to just, you know, keep an eye out on am I young person habits following me, you know beyond the thirties and into the forties and just have a little bit more earlier awareness. Okay. In there, you also mentioned the calorie balance and calorie balance symptoms. So if we're talking about calorie balance and what are some symptoms that we can look out for that maybe our calorie balance is really in the, in the negative? Well, I mean, a lot of women will say I haven't done anything different and I'm Mm. Mm -hmm. So that means, you know, we have to account for the fact that like 60 to 70% of the calories we burn go towards the internal work of keeping us alive and feeding our muscle mass. And, you know, the calorie demand of just keeping a body going, that's going to shift down some as we go through perimenopause and menopause, particularly if to that point, you've not really gotten serious about the strength training things. So we're like big, like we're constantly badgering people about the strength training because it's one of the few things that we can do. To contribute to that, how many calories you're burning 24 hours a day? But we hear that all the time. You know, I really didn't do anything different. I started getting wet. Well, that's because as you get older, you don't need as many calories, you know, to keep your metabolism fueled. And that will accelerate if you never really got serious about the strength training piece, preferably earlier rather than later. You know, because we're not farmers anymore. You know, we're not like chopping our own wood. We're not using our bodies for work anymore. <laughs> you know, so we're not doing it passively. You yeah. know, very few people. You yeah. know what perimenopause does do though is it changes your body composition. And there have been you know good studies that show that you know over time that women are if so again we Hillary talked about age. There, if you're not changing your calories, you're going to gain. And you're going to lose muscle at the same time because estrogen is good for your muscles. Um, estrogen it doesn't allow your muscles to become infiltrated with fat. Your muscles can get fat. <laughs> so um, a lot of people don't know that. And it's not something that you want to even think about. And it also controls inflammation in your muscle tissue. And if there's inflammation, chronic inflammation in your muscle tissue, it decreases the mass little by little by little. So you're getting a lot of like all these little tiny paper cuts, you know, all Mm -hmm. over the place that are like, there's probably not one huge thing, but like Hillary says it, people, you know, women wake up and they say, 
what happened? I gained 10 pounds, but it was just really happening all along. It was, mm-hmm. and then, you know, then you get to the 10 the gradual shift. Yeah. yeah. Now it's obvious. Because nobody, nobody. So, you know, way too few conversations are happening around these progressive changes that start a lot earlier than women would expect them to. So that's part of what we want to do is get women talking about this earlier, as opposed to experiencing you know, however much weight gain, because I mean, let's face it, we live in a culture where the default is to gain weight as you get older, unless you're really swimming upstream or you're genetically really blessed. So we need to talk about the fat, the fat, and I'm like thinking of like a fatty steak, you know, like marbling, marbling in our muscles. muscles. So, you know, we can't, we can't prevent (laughs) our estrogen levels from declining in the exception of, you know, hormone replacement therapy, but we can continue to use our muscles forever. And that's, you know, I think a really important message that a lot of women are um, still need to hear more of because there's a lot of people that are walking a lot and doing kind of that cardio piece, but they're not, you know, exerting their muscles in a way that are needed to get your body to decide these muscles are valuable. I'm going to hold on to them. Use it or lose it. Yeah. 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 Especially because, you know, as we age, and this is for men as well with sarcopenia, right? Like yes. we, we need to be doing everything we can to combat that with strength right. training and high protein. Right. And yeah, exactly. We all know that a complete night of sleep is essential when we're working towards optimizing our wellness and general well-being. And after all, we regularly talk about the importance of sleep on Cut the Crap. Now, Cured's Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing that you get that full night of sleep every single time. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. The CBN extract is a lesser-known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant, and these supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's natural sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM deep sleep. Cured's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBD and CBN create a synergistic whole body effect. And when it starts to kick in, you'll notice every inch of your body soften into a deeper state of relaxation as if you're laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. And once you're asleep, Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM deep sleep into REM and back again. Now, some people can't fall asleep. Others can't stay asleep. And then there are those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. And this is definitely me. No matter what is keeping you from true rest and restoration, the sleep bundle is your solution. Think of it as a one-two punch for a body and brain reset. I've personally never been one to struggle with falling and staying asleep, but like I said, I have definitely struggled with getting quality sleep. I don't know what the heck I'm doing in my sleep, but it certainly wasn't quality. And ever since I started incorporating the Cured Sleep Bundle into my bedtime routine, I wake up feeling refreshed and energetic instead of groggy and lethargic. In return, this allows me to tackle my busy life in a cool, calm, and collected way, ready to take on any challenge that presents itself. And right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, our listeners. You can grab Zen and CBN in the Sleep Bundle for an extra 20% off of Cured's already discounted price by visiting curednutrition.com CTC and using the coupon code CTC at checkout. With this extra discount, you're getting 36% off the regular price. Yep, that's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash CTC and coupon code CTC at checkout to save an extra 20%. Improve your sleep, improve your life. Awesome. All right. So can you explain the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Sure. So perimenopause is the period of time leading. I didn't mean to say period, but um, it's a phase of time um, leading up to menopause, which is actually just one day. Okay. Now we use the terms inter- and people in- use them interchangeably, but perimenopause can last between like four and 10 years. Um, And it is marked by irregular periods, the fluctuating estrogen levels, uh, hot flashes, uh, sleep problems, a long list of um, potential symptoms does not mean you're going to have any of them. It does not mean you're going to have all of them. Um, But then uh, menopause is when you've gone 12 months in a row without a period um, and you haven't been pregnant, you haven't been breastfeeding, you haven't been 
ill in a way that would are like super stressed out in a way that would um, take your period away. And once you've gone those 12 calendar months in a row, now you're that's that day's menopause. Okay. And every menopause day. <laughs> and every day after that is post-menopause. And that's the um another area that we want women to continue to think about because they often say, Oh, I'm 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 over that men- I'm over no, menopause. No. I mean <laughs> the emphasis in the book is is about transition through this, but this is healthy aging. Right. Because yeah. now you're facing the rest of your life. But you know, perimenopause. I think of it like this. This is your estrogen levels. It's doing this. And <laughs> it's all the wiggling around, the surges and the drops that causes a lot of the symptoms. Menopause is when your estrogen levels are now down here. Mm-hmm. So then your body can actually have something that it can adjust to as instead of being confused by all these hormonal fluctuations. And those fluctuations are going to feel different to different people. Some people will have more symptoms. Some people will have less. I, this is a statistic I don't think a lot of people know, but women can live in the postmenopause phase. They can live 30, 30 to 40% of their years wow. in the postmenopause phase. So we, you know, that question about preparing for menopause, I, it's so excellent because um, as I said, the menopause is one day and then there's all that time after it. What are you going to do with that? You know, how are you, how are you going to prepare for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's a big chunk of your life and that's natural menopause. We're not, mm-hmm. I mean, there's sudden menopause, right. And there's early well, menopause was, and that could be an even longer period of life. That's what I was saying to this young woman yesterday. Um, she has to go on hormone. She's got this bracket gene that she has to have her ovaries removed at a young age. So she is facing early menopause. Mm-hmm. And so we were, I was trying to communicate some of the extra special concerns about that. Somebody in the early thirties, that's going to abruptly be thrown into this phase. And the conversation evolved with like, this is the body we have. This is the one body that we have. So what can we do in your thirties into your forties to preserve your bone health, your muscle mass, you know, support your immune system because the way we treat our bodies early in life has everything to do with how well our body's going to perform for us later in life. And we talk all the time about like hospitals, doctors can keep you alive, but that doesn't mean your quality of life is great if yeah. you're, you know, so people can do everything quote unquote right and still have bad things happen to them. But the odds are it's a pretty good odds game to pay to play to um, you know, stop thinking about this early treat this one body we have as well, as well as we can without it needing to be perfect. Right. Right. Yep. And so menopause is technically one, just like you said, one day, but you don't even know what's happening until 12 months. Is that, unless you get a blood test, right? I know somebody had a period (laughs) after 11 months. Yeah. Yeah. And then she had to start the clock. Oh man. I think I had to start the clock at seven months one time. I was like, gosh, really? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so the when I hear, on the, you know, yeah. every phase, when I hear someone say I've been in menopause in 10 years, that's pretty impossible. They're probably in perimenopause for that amount of time. Right. Cause I, I get that a lot. Like I've been in menopause forever. No. I'm like, well, I don't and, think you know, that's forever in menopause is after that menopause day, 12 months. Now uh-huh. you're over menopause right there after we always uh, say, it, you know, it doesn't, you know, something menopause day matter. Right. Well, you know what I mean? If you think about it, menopause, are going to take care of your body and that's it. menopause is permanent. You know, it's permanent. And I think oh, okay. that, that the whole thing about perimenopause is it's not permanent. It's, it's gotcha. temporary. It's a and transition. Menopause phase. is permanent. Post-menopause okay. is the next phase. Gotcha. Okay. Also known as the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> a whole nother lifetime for sure. Yeah. 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 Woohoo. All right, Matt, you right. got another one? I actually had another one come in while we were doing this. Nice. Um, this is a good one, actually. It's more of a nutrition-related question. Can adaptogens help with menopause symptoms? Adaptogens help hmm. with menopause. So, like, yeah. I'm not very up on adaptogens. I'm not sure what the research no, shows No, I don't. I can't think. Yeah. I don't think I can give, like, an educated and informed right. answer. I do know that there's a lot of talk about adaptogens and mushrooms and roots and all those things being like, of course, it's sensationalized, you know. I mean, if you went to, you know, a Chinese medicine doctor, they probably would have a lot to say about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a whole additional area of study, Mm -hmm. herbalism, 
uh, it's, you know, you, you can only really be that informed about so many things. Mm, and I, right. I don't like to wade into things that yeah. I can't give real informed answers on. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. helpful. Sorry. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that, I mean, to it, that's to an say answer that we don't know. That's a great, I mean, that's a great answer. And that's I think so too. Yeah. It takes a smart person to, to admit when they don't know something. Mm-hmm. So all um, I can say is no matter what the adaptogen someone's want, you know, wondering about, it's not going to compensate for a lousy diet, not exercising and all that. That's so, probably the, bada bing, bada boom. There that's that. the foundation <laughs> right there. And then maybe. Yeah, we had a, a really interesting presentation I heard about mushrooms from one of our interns from the Brigham and Women's yesterday. Fascinating. Mm. You know, the con- conclusion is too early to tell, but yeah, more research it's going to compensate for an otherwise, you know, unhealthful lifestyle. Right. Totes. All right. Totes. Totes my goats. <laughs> Totes. Okay. I have, is flax meal good for menopause symptoms? Well, flaxseed contains phytoestrogens. Omega-3s. Omega-3s. So yes. So and omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. So sure. But there's really no research that says that, you know, they do very much in terms of. No, but I mean, it's just a very appropriate part of an anti-inflammatory diet. And, you know, we don't know everything, but there's no reason not to eat flax. Mm -hmm. Meal. So I love when people Mm -hmm. say meal and not seeds because you have to meal them. You have to grind them to get the benefits. Really? Right through you. Okay. Yeah. So, makes so, sense. They, so it it's gets like released. Corn. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Perfect. That's a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so having like, a visual. Now. The Nazi, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of a visual you're having there, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's a never mind. It's a joke. My, my, my husband. Okay. We have known each other since we were in high school. So, okay. you know, we were teens, and he would say this to me you're so pretty i'd eat the corn out of your shit okay (laughs) that is a compliment that's i love you yeah so this is when we're 17 and 16 so you know you can imagine but i every time someone talks about corn it reminds me that statement he said to me (laughs) and you remember that all never had anybody say anything like that did you swoon when he said that to you like i we were i think we were drinking but uh, (laughs) your heart was not going (laughs) yeah (laughs) like a cartoon So there we go. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Let's see. What do I got? I have a lot of repeat questions covering a lot. We are. Um, okay. So this is a good question. Insomnia. I'm not on HRT. I'm not HRT eligible. Should I consider melatonin or magnesium? What could I do for better sleep? So some people will um do well with magnesium. It's one of those things you have to experiment with. Just don't mm-hmm. take too much at once, once or you yeah. might have some major GI problems. So melatonin definitely can help. I hear mixed feelings as to whether people should automatically just start taking melatonin mm-hmm. because I think your body can adjust to it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stuff that I've read that if you use it like here and there, when you really seem to need it, it may be more effective than if you use it every single night. Mm. people have to experiment like you know the other thing some people say if they you, they use cbd it may help with their sleep mm-hmm. um other people might, might say you know combination thc cbd for people that that's appropriate for right um, so you know requires experimentation uh, certainly worth trying um short of taking medication if you can but you know i mean some people have have good luck with it i just I don't know how to feel about melatonin. I mean, I just don't know if people should commit to taking it every single night. Um, I took it for a while. Again, it's purely anecdotal. Um, And it worked for me for a couple of weeks. And then I started to have very weird dreams, like really weird, like disturbing. So Mm -hmm. I stopped. You know, with any of these supplements that people are wondering about, there's a really good resource called the Office of Dietary Supplements. And it's um, run by the government. And it's all the latest research on supplements. So I use it all the time. And I go there and I'll look something up, anything that I'm wondering about. So what um, is the name of it again? It's the Office of Dietary Supplements. Okay. You can just search that and it will come right up. Health professional. You go to Google and you, you put in ODS and then melatonin yeah. or something. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But and you know, there's other things that people can do. You know, there's my sister swears by Cam Mail Tea. You know, I think the evidence is mixed on that, but. What's the, what's the harm in drinking a cup of tea to chill yourself out at night? 
is there's lots of strategies around shutting down the technology, you know, making no sure screens. your room is really dark. Yeah. Um, you know, the screen time thing is well known to potentially interfere with people's sleep. So well, there's definitely sleep hygiene routines. We do talk about them mm-hmm. in the book. We're not sleep experts, but, you know, poor sleep is a huge problem uh, for uh, women at this age. Um, but I think that if it's truly insomnia, which is debilitating, like in, uh, occasional insomnia, like I was telling Hillary, I woke up at four o'clock this morning. Start. That's when I started my day. Well, no, thank you. I was planning on sleeping till six thirty, but you know, I woke up and I was. So that's that's an occasional thing, but chronic insomnia is is I can't imagine. I mean, dangerous too. Yeah. So, so, if people should if people really have trouble sleeping, some people may be good candidates for a sleep study. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have sleep apnea. Right. You know, in, in my experience with people taking melatonin. I also think it's good to start small and build up because people seem to have different reactions to this. Yeah. Um, meaning start with like a milligram. Mm-hmm. I would like jump right into, right. The, you know, five milligrams of melatonin. You might yeah. sleep for 16 hours or something. Well, you might just right. take it on occasion and it, it definitely helps. But, yeah. you know, you, you, uh, you, you want to experiment with like how early do you have to take it to get some assistance without waking up feeling like you're completely hungover. But right, you know, yeah. I think people react to it differently. So start That's like true. slow. Yeah. And so what causes the sleep disturbances as you age? Like if there's no hot flashes and things like that, because that's, you know, kind of something that I've struggled with. It's like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Let's wake up. There's no oh, hot flash, yeah. but you know, I'm like ready to go. Okay. Is that like re- hormone related? I don't know. We don't know. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a it's, I mean, Question sleep is sleep, fascinating. Sleep and like at the, at Brigham and Women's where, you know, you work, there's a whole um, sleep lab. I mean, mm. there's people that just specialize in sleep and it is fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, what I was saying earlier, I think your circadian clock can get out of whack too, as you get older and you don't, you, you have trouble with that. I mean, again, I think I also think being physically active helps your sleep for most people. Yeah. But, you know, I've just accepted as I've gotten older that I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night sometime. And it's so interesting. I think it is a circadian (laughs) rhythm, like when you come closer to the surface between sleep cycles or something, because I've had more conversations. I'm doing it less now, but more starting in perimenopause and moving forward, something about like 3.12 a.m. I just wake up. Oh, God. Like learn to not get like upset about it. Right. Mm -hmm. that one person I know, I have one friend who can still sleep till like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't, those days, days, I can't imagine anymore. You know, the days no. when you had that deep sleep, you don't even go to the bathroom. Like, oh, oh yeah. you know, you're, you're like, like a baby or dog. 10 to 10, like 8, p- 8 a.m. Like that, there's, there's no way that would happen. Like pre-child no. uh, sleep. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, just, I just try to have a <laughs> kind of a not real interesting book on my Kindle <laughs> that, I can just, I'll just read for it, it, get bored with 20, 30 minutes. And I can usually, you know, kick the covers off, get cold, roll over, go back to sleep. I mean, because the more upset you get about the fact that you're not sleeping definitely doesn't help. That's yeah. why I got out of bed this morning. I woke up, I made a cup of tea and I started working. What am I going to do? Lie in bed and be mad? But I mean, no. there are for people that have, I mean, significant sleep problems right. can be a huge life wrecker. So there are experts in this area and people should seek out. Yeah. Uh, the insistence from a sleep clinic um, yeah. to get some advice. Cause yeah, don't really- struggle. I, I feel like a lot of people will just try to live through it. You know, right. they're like, I've been struggling for this for forever. It's like, why right. um, yeah. go get yourself some help. Like you don't have right. to suffer. So many right. women suffer and they don't need to be right. Um, it's, it makes me really sad. Yeah. Um, which actually will lead into this question, which I could think is pretty interesting. Do you feel like more women are coming out and speaking about menopause? And do you think there's more um, help today to help women through menopause? Yes, yes definitely. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's different since I want to say that Liz and I were sort of riding the wave because mm-hmm. our book came out in September 2020. 20. And mm-hmm. There were not a lot of people talking about menopause. I mean, it's changed a lot, I think, even in the last year to two years. Uh, yeah. So uh-huh. I think, you know, and there's more resources and, you know, NAMS is out there, the North American Menopause Society, you know, mm-hmm. of plug in your zip code and we'll find you physicians that are specifically interested in 
what you're going through. I think so. There's a greater demand for information, but there's also, you know, menopause has become like a gold mine, you know, in a lot of ways. And there are a lot of celebrities (laughs) with my supplements. Our our most unfavorite three products. Balance your hormones. What does that even mean? There's a lot of uh, celebrities out there who, you know, are, have turned 50 and yeah. think they know everything about menopause and are willing to sell you a lot of their products and a lot of their supplements that are complete crap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's become easier for women to talk about it, but sometimes harder to discern the information. So um, there are even doctors that are shady and it's, it's, a, it's exploiting. Ex- it's just one more phase where you can be exploited. Right. Right. But I remember reading something that suggested that like some cosmetic companies, you know, that make like face creams will like take basically the same product, put it in one packaging for young women, one packaging for older women and charge the older women more. I would believe that. I would believe that. Because, you know, older women have more money, maybe, and they think they can just kind of hijack. Whenever I talk to my, you know, Harvard educated practicing dermatologist, (laughs) who's like a total genius, and I start talking to him about face cream. And he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to tell me what to do, but he's like, don't, you I wouldn't spend yeah. $45 <laughs> for 0.7 ounces of that stuff. And that too. You, know? you can probably get five bucks somewhere else. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing that really he says up, just moisturize your skin. With there you go. And wear sunscreen and wear sunscreen. <laughs> and one of the things that really gets us in terms of more menopause information being out there is all these menopause supplements that, yeah. been, you know, feel like they must have to take. Well, uh-huh you know, everyone's selling them. And it's really disturbing because there isn't one thing that you have to take that's necessarily menopause related. I mean, after menopause, if you're taking a multivitamin, what you have to do is take one without iron in it. You're not losing iron every month and right. blood. So there's one thing you have to do with menopause, but you know, in your calcium needs go up a little bit, but it's not like you all of a sudden have all of these nutrient problems that you didn't have once you lost your period. Watch out for those scams. I also think, call me cynical, but people do have to understand that dietary supplements are not regulated like drugs in this country. Mm-hmm. So the, I'm just guessing that supplement manufacturers that make all kinds of, you know, kind of hysterical claims probably are a little bit less concerned about the quality of the products that they're putting out. Like, you notice you're right. not going to see these menopause supplements from the people Centrum make Centrum or one a day, you know what I mean? No companies that are trying Nature to made. actually follow the science. No, right. But, Too much. You know, it's, it's money that yeah. can be spent on vegetables. And things like <laughs> yeah. Real food. So what would you say would be red flags for women looking for help with menopause? Number one would be the bullshit supplements. <laughs> what would you say, Beth? Number one would, I, my guess would be the sell or buying into the bullshit supplements. Well, anything that says like menopause supplements on it, women definitely need supplements. I mean, we were just talking about taking a multivitamin, right? You probably need a little bit of calcium. You probably there's not a menopause multivitamin, right? No, no, no. okay. Um, It's called an over 50 silver over 50 because you don't need the iron unless Mm -hmm. you're still period. You definitely still need the iron, right? So we, so you have to kind of stipulate that. Okay. Um, but you know, <laughs> you I think over promising anything that that sounds yeah. like it's just relieving your hot flashes. I mean, really, the only mm. thing that has been shown to do that is hormone therapy. Um, and a lot of these supplements that are out there, they'll say, "Oh, you know, clinically tested." That's mm. a buzzword that you should okay. clinically tested. Clinically tested because clinically tested means I did a little experiment in my office or in you know the company on the company. It could be with people, but it's not in a peer-reviewed uh, scientific journal where other people can come along and say, "Hey, you know, this is an issue, or that's an issue, or what about this?" So that's yeah. what we like. We like most um, supplements have those clinical studies backing them, and that's it. No peer-reviewed, no human controls or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, overwhelmingly, the evidence is around food. So we talk a lot in the book about maybe you need calcium. Pretty much everybody needs vitamin D. B12 is a good idea, particularly if you're on, you know, acid blocking medication or metformin. But supplements are not the solution to right. the issues that we're really dealing with. They may 
fill some gaps, but they're not the solution. Now it's easier to take a supplement and feel like you're doing something. So I understand like people's motivation. But... I know. I mean, people are in pain. They are suffering, mm-hmm. you know, with hot flashes, with sleep problems. Um, they don't know why they're gaining weight and they want a solution. Mm-hmm. And rather than digging deep, you and it, you guys talk about it all the time, doing the work rather than digging deep and taking a really good look, like maybe they don't have the time to do that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they're super stressed out and they're single parent and they're caring for you know, an older parent that there's so many different ways that your time can get used up that you say, well, maybe I'll try this. I'll try this supplement or that. Maybe you need a new clinician if you feel like you're not being heard. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. It's a whole thing about women feeling gaslit by healthcare professionals. And, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for many physicians. So in a way, but it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Particularly if you're, you have, you know, you, you doctors can't be experts in everything either. So right. that's why I really like the North American menopause society, like yeah. the zip code and find a doc. That's so how I found my mind. Oh, oh, like really interested yeah. in yeah. this issue because mm-hmm. you know, like, just like you can't know everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was lucky. I'm like, okay, I know um, Amanda Thebe told me about the, on our podcast about the national menopause society. And I was like, okay. My obstetrician from a long time ago helped me birth my son. She was like backed up and not taking clients for months. And I'm like, I'm going to find someone in my area that specializes in this. And I was able to do it that way. And thank goodness it worked. (laughs) Good. That's great. Yeah. Is that more of like a new thing? The national medical? For probably like five or more years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that maybe more clinicians are Are... getting on board. Mm-hmm. Being a lot more online um, yes. participation of physicians uh, delivering menopause information, and you can also get medication from them as well online. Mm-hmm. And speaking of online, getting online medication, I know there's a lot of places that sell the HRT, and you can just literally go online and be like, "Ooh, I want to get HRT," and they're like, "Book a phone call with me." How legitimate are those? I really don't know. I don't know how to determine that. It's like those Wagovi clinics. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd start with the North. I mean, we have to, you know, acknowledge that a lot of people live in areas where there aren't a lot of specialists. Right. So it's just as long as people, you know, try to do their homework to the best of their ability and maybe run a recommendation by their primary care doctor. Does anything like sound crazy to you? Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are a lot of medical deserts in this country where people, yeah. and they kind of have to rely on. Yeah. It's, but, you know, it's one of the silver linings of the pandemic is there's more ability. More telehealth. Also and more ability for people to be taken advantage. To be scammed. Of. Yeah. We've definitely seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. One more question because a lot of the other ones I have are kind of repeats and and said differently in the same way. We yeah. got you. Yeah. Same thing. Those, those you get what I'm putting. Yeah, what I'm yeah. putting down. Okay. We get it. <laughs> Is there any correlation between time of the last meal and severity of night sweats? I've no, never seen any research. No. I mean, you know, having eating late can be disruptive to your sleep, and if that somehow brings you to a level of awakeness that might trigger hot a hot flash. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All people could try is to not do it and see if their night's right. Good. Yeah. Right. Eat very lightly at night, which we recommend anyway. We're big fans of, you know, letting your body go between 10 and 12 hours yeah. without food. Most of the time is spent sleeping. Um, mm-hmm. Don't kill yourself to do it. I mean, we, it's not an absolute rule. If you're hungry, eat something small, but don't wait until dinner to have most of your food. And right. Eat, right. Yeah. Is there a correlation between certain foods and hot flashes? In in terms of triggers, alcohol, yeah, yeah. and like hot beverages can trigger hot flashes. Um, They can in some women. See, I think the the thing to note here is that it's different in every single one, different in every woman. But there are some common uh, commonalities, like as Hillary was saying, alcohol, caffeine, um, Mm. really spicy foods, really like hot foods, hot temperature wise, those types of things are tend to be triggers. So 
But we ask women all the time, you know, limit or avoid alcohol, limit your caffeine. You shouldn't be relying on, you know, caffeine for your energy level. And, you know, the, in terms of the other foods, you know, you have to figure out what bothers you. I'm just going to mention one thing and it's anecdotal just because I think it's interesting as I was talking to Liz about this. So my, I have a, the patient who had a hysterectomy and has had terrible hot flashes, was having a lot of trouble dealing with them and has a mom who had estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. So she couldn't do hormone mm-hmm. replacement therapy. She started doing basically medical cannabis is legal in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. She started doing very low dose supplement that was a little bit of C- CBD, a little bit of THC, and she found it very helpful. So it's an anecdotal thing and it's not for everybody, but there are a lot of, I mean, for her, her hot flashes were mostly late afternoon into the evening and at night. Mm-hmm. So she would do this at about five o'clock and has found significant relief. So that's an N equals one situation. Right. We're all trying to learn more. Yeah. You know, like cancer treatment place, you know, the nutritionists end up talking about medical cannabis, you know, mostly gummies and things like that for patients experiencing nausea, loss of appetite. And for some people, it can be very helpful. So we're mm-hmm. all on the learning curve mm-hmm. and acknowledging yeah. that people are doing this and dabbling. Mm-hmm. And so to have some sense of that, I think it's important for people to be talking about it, at least to some degree, because yeah. otherwise you're getting your advice from like your team. <laughs> right. So I just think that's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, funny you say that me and Matt started working with Cured, they're a CBD company actually. And I they have like a sleep packet and I started taking one of their sleep things. And it's actually, I've been sleeping, you know, better than I have in a long time. It's not like pre-baby sleep, but it's definitely, I can notice that it's helping. Mm -hmm. So I'm, there may be a correlation. I don't know. I mean, it's still new. I've still been taking it for what, like a, oh, maybe almost a month, but I'm kind of a fan. Yeah. I'm I'm not a woman going through menopause, but I've also taken those same supplements and I've noticed my sleep quality has improved as well. So like you said, anecdotal, but yeah, um, I mean, CBD, you know, is CBD by itself helpful? Do it, doesn't need a twinge of THC, like in the nausea, appetite stimulation world of the oncology patient, you need a little THC, but you can get a little without getting psychoactive effects. Maybe getting some benefits. So again, it's it would be a start low and go slow. But for people like this particular patient who didn't have any options because she couldn't take hormone replacement therapy, yeah, I'm really excited for her, and she's got an important job, and she's able to deal with life. Yeah. Quality of life matters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if that's working for her, that's I, I love that for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, like that anecdotal, of course, but there's lots of exciting research. I think it can be done and it's going to, you know, has been done, I think, too, in, in that area, too. So who knows what, yeah. what will come of all of that? Well, it's one of those things I think everybody needs to talk about more or mm-hmm. people getting their education from the person who works at the dispensary or from just their peers, you know. So I think yep. if people have, you know, this is becoming more common across the country where this it's legal for whatever reason, recreational or, or medical use. And um, right. so we're just scratching the surface of learning, but it's just it's an interesting. Yeah. It's legal here in Maine too. Mm-hmm. It's legal, legal here in Ohio for medical reasons, if you have yeah. a medical uh, license for it. So for exemption. Cool. Oh, uh, wow. This was such a fun <laughs> podcast. Yay, uh, I love having you ladies. Yes. Oh, and, anything. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I and mean, you're also you saying, we don't know. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You got to ask. No, we love a good. I don't know. We do. Yeah. We, we really do. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's worse than when people like we always say we don't like when people get in our lane who don't have qualifications. We try not to get in other people's yeah. lane. Really. And we're here no, to we cut did, the crap. It, it, so she really means to say is we don't like bullshitters. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you're in the right place. Yeah. 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 We thank Aww. you so much for coming on again. Um, yes. Before yeah. we we say goodbye, though, would you uh, like to tell people where they can learn more about you in case they didn't hear you on here the first time? And then oh, um, okay. please plug your book, too, because I think that could benefit. Yeah. Me. OK, that's Darn. OK. Well, our book is The Menopause Diet Plan, a natural um, guide, a natural. <laughs> like what? What are we calling about? Yeah, I know. Isn't that bad? Uh, I yeah. just gave you like the subtitle to one of my other books. Yeah. Well, it's a matter of guides, hormones, health, and happiness. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 
consultant. You know what? We changed the title a few times, and I, whenever I, I don't know, I always stick with the, with the original. It's called the menopause diet plan. Yeah. Just go on Amazon, and this is what happens when you get older and you go through menopause. <laughs> um, so it's the menopause diet plan. Um, find it anywhere online booksellers. Also, we're on Instagram at menopause diet plan. That's where we're most active, but we're also on TikTok at the most at menopause. Okay. (laughs) At menopause diet plan. And we're also Mm. on Facebook at menopause Menopause diet plan. Awesome. (laughs) The information in the book is for healthful aging as well. So it's not just the menopause transition. Everything else is, is completely applicable to the rest of your life. Amazing. Amazing. Ooh, Thank you so Punch much. you're it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you later. Hope you enjoyed this episode. So why not share it with a friend who needs to hear it? Send us a DM on Instagram or email us at cutthecrappod at gmail.com and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cutthecrappodcast. As always, we appreciate you and thanks for being here. <laughs>